0: This is Sunny 16 Presents.
1: Welcome, everyone, to I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And I'm Gabe Sachs. Welcome to episode 16, 16, 16. I, I don't even know how to process a number that large. I, I have never it's created a show. No, that's not true. I was about to say I've never created a show that made it to 16 episodes, but I made
0: it the full season on yeah, a couple of shows. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. 16
0: is uh two less than freaks and geeks, so we've got two more. <laughs> um, and I think we'll be uh
1: we'll see what happens. Yes, but as we said, it's two more than Faulty Towers. There so you go. So we are better. Than faulty Towers. Yes, but Not quite yes. as good. Yes. We should tell all our friends and
0: that and they will never speak to us again. But
1: yes. Do you know what I think we're exactly as good as? What? Uh, my so called life. I think my so called life went. <laughs> I might be wrong about that. You might be wrong about that. I might be wrong about that. Speaking of television, I have a little show and tell. I'll just have to put this up on our Instagram. Let's see. I had lunch with my former writing partner, Jeff Strauss, today. Awesome. We loved uh, it. Yesterday was his birthday. I took him out for a hot dog and. He gave me a gift. Do you see what this is? Do you know what this is? Does this mean anything to you? It's a Lego piece. It is... It's not registering. Tell me. This is the character Janice from Friends. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Literally, oh, my God. This is a character Jeff and I created that now exists... As a Lego minifig. That's fantastic. It, That's actually, really fantastic. And it, isn't that? I don't even know how to process it's something so cool. this enormous.
0: This is right. bigger than the Emmy. Right. The fact that like Think something. Think of the millions that, and millions of dollars you're going to get for that. Millions.
1: Millions. <laughs> I may not even have to podcast anymore. That's, oh, no, don't do I'll be making so that. much money <laughs> off my character payment on the minifigure. <laughs> it's a good approximation too i mean I like once you it. know that it's janice you can't really see anything right. else the right. hair is great right I, I anyway think it's nice isn't that wonderful so right. now i'm keeping that next to my santa chiara icon that i bought ah. in a cc and as you know santa chiara is the patron saint of television there you go of so course. i have these two icons which weirdly look alike right oh my sort of anyway what half roll of film are you gonna buy with the 95 cents you're gonna make up <laughs> that character that's correct. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, this is a long anticipated episode. I'm very excited that we're doing this. As you know, several months ago, we unveiled not only an Instagram feed and a website, but an email address, I dream of Cameras at gmail.com. And many of you listeners have favored us with your thoughts and correspondence and advice over the and help and recommendations advice, and on help, and on. Photographs. Tips, corrections, and what we got in the habit of doing was just responding directly to people, right. and it's great because I feel like the community of the show was growing. Do you feel like we're a cult? I really do feel like a cult when I think
0: of us being, cult you know, two hipsters like we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In into analog film, yes, That's I was in right. our cult.
1: We are literally, I mean, it is I dream of cameras. We are worming our way into your dreams. Yes, we are. Right. It's happening. So in in this episode, we're going to run down some of our favorite emails and DMs from the legions, the (laughs) hordes. I love when you say legions and hordes. Yes. And we're just going to run them down and we'll just and react. Some of these are corrections and advice. Some of them are ask, requests for illumination. The first one comes from our friend Christian Strauf, who asks, please cover the Konica C35 series at some point. Do you know the Konica C35? I really don't. I'm going to talk just a little bit about the Konica C35. Oh, i you know about this. It is a compact rangefinder camera right. from the 1970s. It's roughly contemporaneous with the Canon G3 QL17, the Olympus 35RC, the Rollie 35, uh, the Minolta hi F. It's an entirely automatic enterprise. It has an excellent hexanon lens, but oh, wow. basically it is a focus-and-shoot rangefinder. You don't really have any control, right. but... It is a very nice camera. And when I was trying to decide as little 8-year-old me which rangefinder camera I wanted, it came down to that list that I just described. And I think ultimately I chose the 35RC because it had more sophisticated display in the viewfinder and more control. Right. But I will tell you guys, I bought a box of cameras on eBay once that had 3 Konica C35s in it and other miscellaneous cameras for like 25 bucks. Oh, These wow. things are dirt cheap and they have a great medium-wide-angle Hexanon lens on them. People should look for those. Yeah, they're worth looking for. If you see them in the crummy box at the end of the table at the camera show or at the yard sale, (laughs) buy it. I gave Beth Bears, one of the stars of the CBS series The Neighborhood, which I occasionally direct, I gave her one because I saw her shooting with a Lubitel and I'm like, "All right, well if she can shoot with a Lubitel, she can shoot with anything." Right. And she liked it. So there you go, a nice 35 millimeter compact rangefinder, Christian Strauf, we have covered the Konica C35. How nice. Scene.
0: Thank you, Christian.
1: Billy Sanford writes. Mm, boy. <laughs> Billy has a very excellent episode of Sunny 16 presents up right now, by the way, guys, check it out. Curious whether you thought using a lot of different gear versus sticking to mostly one kit has impacted the quality of the results you're able to get. Reaction! I guarantee you that if I just stuck to
0: one kit, my photography would be better. I really do. Do you really believe that? I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I... I get bored so easily, and that's why I sort of use this variety. And I also get different feels out of different cameras and things like that. But I feel like if I had no choice, and it's like what we talked about when I, if I could just go out with one camera, I would just say I would commit to that camera, and that's it. Hmm. But I feel like I have a lot of a lot of equipment that I'm always spending a lot of time deciding what to bring, which sort of is yeah. a weight on my shoulders all the time.
1: But it doesn't seem like your expertise has been diffused by spreading it over a number of different cameras or formats or something.
0: Maybe not, but I don't know. I just, I've never, you know, I I really like the idea of trying to use one camera and see. I mean, the most recent thing I've done is is go do film-only shoots without bringing Mm. the digital at all. So the last three shoots I did were just film, and that felt great. You know, I wasn't checking the, the camera step. every three seconds, yeah, yeah. and I, I thought that was a that was a lot of fun. Of course, I brought, you know, four different film cameras, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's not mention that.
1: Yeah. I, I have a different reaction to this, and I may not be answering Billy's question, but I always, and of course, this is one of the sub-themes of our podcast, I believe using a lot of different gear unlocks different parts of you as an artist. Uh-huh. You know, if I'm shooting with... A pocket 35 millimeter camera that I don't have a lot of control over. I'm really thinking more about grabbing shots on the fly. If I'm shooting with a 35 millimeter SLR like the Alpha 11SI, which is very slow to operate, I'm more deliberate, and it brings out a different kind of result. If I'm shooting with the wide lux, where I don't even entirely know what I'm going to get, I just know (laughs) it's going to be interesting. Right. Same thing. It just I do. I think it actually measurably improves the quality of the results I get because it's like. Don't they say that, like, when you work out, you work different muscle groups? I kind of feel like that's what I'm Is that, what, is I'm that doing. what they say? That's what they say. I mean, not I, that I, I, I wouldn't mean, know. I wouldn't be an expert I, at it, but I'm just I, saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, they were telling me that at the gym this morning. Right, of sure work different <laughs> muscle groups. Um, right. I mean, I've worked my abs so much at this point <laughs> that I look like, you know, like the G.I. Joe dog. It's really, I'm you know, like, guys, you know when you're Zooming?
0: Uh, Jeff can't even fit into that little box (laughs) that I'm looking at. It's just, I just
1: see shoulders and a neck, Yeah, but, uh, yeah, Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, you know, of course there is that exercise, one camera, one lens that we've talked about, but I like to sort of spread it around. So I don't, it would be interesting. There have been long stretches of my photographic journey where I've stuck to one camera, but I feel like for me spreading around gives me more. It keeps me nimble. Nice. All right. Rolf Tessum, oh a regular my correspondent. I this can guy, go on and on and on and on and on. I would love to see a book like 500 Cameras, like a coffee table book of Rolf's photographic collection. It's amazing. He takes, I mean, he has an extraordinary camera collection. He photographs it beautifully. And you know what else? He has a slew of Emmys. And his partner is Linda Ellerby, who is a childhood hero of mine. I have her book, and so it goes. So, hi, Linda, if Rolf is (laughs) listening. Okay, here's what he said to us. He said, regarding Instax, you know, we covered this in our Polaroid show. He said, I'm half convinced the film is fine, and it is the cameras that are all terrible. Maybe when the Lobo instant wide back for 4x5 finally arrives, we'll know for sure. Good point. As for the current Polaroid stuff, I would be happy if they just gave us back 10 shots per pack instead of 8. Oh, my God, are you preaching to the choir with that Boy. one? Also, he says he noticed a pretty big difference between the film that was labeled Polaroid Originals and the latest batch labeled simply Polaroid. Have you noticed that Interesting. No. Wow. I, I haven't either, but I'd like to hear from listeners if they feel that the Polaroid-branded stock is an improvement. You know, we carped about the fact that it doesn't seem like the stock is measurably improved, but we could be wrong. Right. He also chimed in about bokeh. Bokeh. bokeh he says he does have one camera lens combination for which the bokeh is the whole point and he described a lens that i've never heard of no the kodak 178 millimeter f 2.5 aero ektar which he shoots on his speed graphic gabe did you see that picture of it it looks amazing yes it looks amazing coolest thing ever Gang, Google this lens. It is like a cult lens. He says there's a Facebook group devoted to the love of this lens. Wow. The results are really extraordinary. Yeah. If I were ever going larger format, I would absolutely want to take this ride. Yeah. And Gabe, you do have a speed graphic. Am I not mistaken? I do have a
0: speed graphic that's still in the box. I did take it out oh. the other day just to say hi to it. Yeah. And um, But yes, I am going to uh, try this out in the next few weeks. I'm very excited about it. The other thing I want to say about Rolf is that he recommended, he has great recommendations for repairs, and he did recommend the person who did my OM-1 perfectly. Oh. That's how I found them. Camera Tech. I mean, it was just great, but he's always has great suggestions, and, you know, we'll we'll definitely talk to him more.
1: Speaking of large format. Yes. Bruce Horn was one of many faithful listeners who said, y'all need to really try large format. Hmm. Now, I have never done it. I mean, I don't count recovering the negative from a Polaroid right. as large format, though I guess you would technically Kinda, call that yeah. large format. Have you ever shot large format at all, or have you just collected the gear? I've collected the gear. So I have um,
0: two cameras, and uh, the speed graphic, I am sort of, I have a Linhoff, and I have a speed graphic, and the speed graphic I'm dying to use because I know the photographer uses it all the time. And uh, my friend Brandon is going to come by and we are going to have an afternoon of trying the Speed Graphic. Oh. He is going to teach me how to use it. I am very excited because that's the only way that I will learn. There's just, it's one of those things that there's so many things you have to remember in sequence, I think. Yeah. As I've seen people do it. Yeah. And also when they do really large format. That terrifies me. That's where there's yeah. I'm going it's like that's why I don't fly fly a plane, because I would just go, Oh, what's that button for? Like I, <laughs> I would not I just I should not be a pilot and uh, I, there's just too many buttons. You look at a cockpit and you're going, like, I don't know.
1: Same with a large format camera. You know They're exactly the same by the way. Did you know I've flown a plane? No, you haven't. I have absolutely <gasps> flown a plane. I have soloed in a single engine aircraft.
0: What about those buttons? There's a hundred thousand buttons there's in not front that of me. Not no, in a no, single engine no. plane. There's 100,000 buttons. It, there's if, things that there's dials. Yeah, but How I think a lot of people would look at a
1: contact 645 and say that has 100,000 buttons. No, no, not an airplane. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? You know what happens when I drop a 645? Yeah, nothing. nothing. Nobody dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> my brother, Stephen Greenstein. Yes. It's time to talk about my brother. He's Keith's twin. Keith, who is our... Art director, graphic designer, and uh, OM1 shooter. Yes. Stephen is his fraternal twin brother. Stephen is a PhD in mathematics who teaches at the University of Montclair in Montclair, New Jersey. His email to us was to point out a math error on a blackboard in an episode of Freaks and Geeks. Gabe Sachs. <laughs> oh my reaction. Gosh.
0: This was so <laughs> fantastic. It was so great because I got to tell you, you know, when we're... You know, look, even in the last show, the medical drama, you're like, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's not done exactly like that. (laughs) But, but you know, we have time. We need to get through this episode or we're going to be here forever. It's like, you know, in those, you know, know, detective shows, when when someone puts a shot, they're completely black out in two seconds. It never happens. There's nothing like that. They have to really it it takes a while. So, so especially in freaks and geeks if you want to talk about you know we tried to stay accurate to a lot of things and everything in the 80s i mean yes we could not avoid some palm trees that were supposed to be michigan (laughs) yes there were things like that and we had you know you know little goofs like that and music i'm sure but anyway uh i have to tell you that this math thing no one caught and so it was so exciting i think maybe someone maybe years and years ago
1: but i don't think so so this was very exciting yeah it had uh, to it had to do with the derivative formula which was on the blackboard in a math class right um uh, mr kaczewski a teacher yeah yeah yeah.
0: i think yeah exactly i can't remember anyway
1: anyway for further illumination I Dream of Mathematics, our spinoff podcast, will be right. covering this. I should also point out that Steven is a film shooter as well. He good. has a Nikomat, a nice one too, a Nikomat FTN, a Konica Auto Reflex, the original one that could switch between half frame and full frame. Oh, nice. Oh, nice <laughs> camera. And he recently got an Olympus XA because he's an avid cyclist and he wanted a small camera he could keep in his like little jersey. Oh, that's so he got great. the straight XA. I think he got, no, we got an XA, XA2. Whatever is the point and shootiest is the one that he got, but he loves it.
0: That's great. Got a whole
1: family of film shooters except my sister, who is a criminal defense attorney. I'm trying to get her interested. I don't know. Nice. Next up, Malcolm Myers. Malcolm Myers wondered if the reason that I prefer Jane Bound over Annie Leibovitz is that the effects that Ms. Bound gets are more accessible. They don't require all that production design. Do you think that's one of the reasons that her stuff is more likable? Hmm, yeah. I mean, I really I think never so. thought
0: of it like that. I mean, you know I, you know, I also think that, you know, when he asked a little bit later on, on Vivian Mayer, it's like, yeah, I think there's something interesting... And warming about the simplicity of her shots. Yes. And I think that's something that you go, oh, wow, look at it. It's just, it's very simple. And and Annie does do, I mean, look, she has done simple shots. That's that's definitely true. But most of her stuff is huge
1: production numbers. And that's your favorite. Yeah, Yeah. And it's funny. I think we talked about this a little bit. Uh, Gregory Crudson is a photographer that I love. I don't even really think of him as a photographer. I think of him as someone like Cindy Sherman who uses photography as sort of an avenue to a different kind of art. Um, right, an image, yeah, yeah. His stuff is more production designed than Annie Leibovitz's, but it's, it's moving, I don't know, it's moving toward an artistic effect and not a portrait, I right, guess. Right, right, right. But I think he's on to something that Jane Bowne feels like those kind of portraits are portraits which if you had a beautiful subject and window light, you might be able to take a picture kind of like well, yeah, that. or a lamp
0: and, or anything. It just seems like yeah. there's such it's it's about the shot. You know, it's a it's, yeah, it's, it's you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it gets seems to get more inside the person. It feels more intimate. Yeah. Maybe definitely. because it's less fussy. On Vivian Meyer, you know, I'm I'm a little ambivalent about Vivian Meyer. I think it is wonderful that there's an is excitement about film photography because of Vivian Meyer. I think, particularly for young women, seeing a female photographer who was hitherto unknown, whose shots are so arresting. I mean, they're beautiful, right? Beautiful. But she also shot a hundred thousand photographs. Yeah. And I don't mean to compare Vivian Meyer to the monkey with the typewriter, but Any sample size of 100,000, if you've seen books like Thomas Walther's book, Other Pictures, this is a guy who collects photographs that he finds at swap meets, and some of them are so beautiful, it actually, his collection is now part of the Museum of Modern Art. These are anonymous photographers. The fact is, anyone can make art, even if they're not trying. And so... Vivian Meyer went around documenting her world. I think it's interesting to learn about the kind of person that she was. She was solitary. She was a nanny, Chicago, all of that stuff. She never wanted to publish her work. It was a hobby. This is all very interesting. But I think I'm a little ambivalent about immediately elevating her to the status of like Cartier-Bresson or something. I, I, I just don't know. I don't think we can know really about how deliberate an artist she was. Right. She made art, no question. She, but but she like, did have absolutely beautiful imagery. Yeah. Yeah. And I do wonder a little bit about the exploitation of her legacy and right. the various factions that are angling for control of Vivian Myers. It makes me a little uncomfortable because yeah. she has nothing to say about it. It's kind of like, did you listen to the podcast uh, S-Town? Yeah. That guy never asked to have his life opened up like that. No, He never did. And it made me really uncomfortable. Like his life, he, the most intimate parts of his life were put on display and he never asked for it. So it's uh, it's a whole different side road which we can cover. But but like I said, if Vivian Meyer is an inspiration to you, I love that. If it yes, inspires you to pick up fantastic. a TLR, I love it. Tom Northenskold, who is a big fan of ours, who actually has taken the time to post on Twitter about how much he loves us. Thank you, Tom. Agrees about Annie Leibovitz. He also said he went back and chimed in when we were talking about straps. Remember that discussion, Gabe? Doesn't that seem like it was season (laughs) one? Hates over engineered strap systems. Have you ever used any of those? Those like system strap? Yes. I know exactly. First (laughs) of all, let me talk to you over
0: So people like, you know, Brandon, Studley Sedman on Instagram who cover fires and who people who do weddings and on and on. I have seen these strap systems. They are phenomenal for them and they really make their life easier. And especially when you're covering yeah. a fire, but also when you know, you're know you doing a wedding and you have to have these things hanging from you, these systems are amazing. I think hmm. the systems where you, you slide the strap and things like that, they, those really don't work for me very well. Um, but I, those big sort of like leather sort of suspender yeah. looking things, they're really, they really work well. And I was the same way. And I was like, these look ridiculous. And then when you see them at work, you're just fascinated. It's like, oh, I get it. Now I get it. You have their hand. Mm-hmm. Every time you pick up one, pick up the other, it's, it's
1: great. Wow. I was impressed. Never used one. Yeah. I mean, I have that belt clip system for my, uh rangefinders, but that's the closest I get to like strapping stuff onto my body. Right, To make, I get it in a wedding context. I do get it. I get, I get the idea of kind of creating a system where the gear is at your fingertips, but my God, I would never use it. Christer Brandt says, self-timers are death traps. He has a point, by the way. I think it is discourteous at a camera show to play with the self-timer on a camera that's on the desk because they always break. Think about it. How many times have you... They break really easily. Right, but isn't that a good way to test if it's going to break? Yeah. And I I, I do think that self-timers, they invariably feel like they weren't engineered for heavy use. That They were engineered to be used like once every couple of months. Yeah. So he is right. And I would say exercise caution if you are evaluating a camera. Don't play with that self-timer. Yeah, I know. I, I I understand that. However, you know, I was noticing the other day, I was out shooting with the Leica M6. Oh, how I love that camera now that See? I have that little Canon Serenar See? lens on it. Yep. And I was up to the last shot on the roll, you know? And I, sometimes when I'm up on this hike, I like to do a little self-portrait as yeah. the last shot. There's no self-timer on an M6. And no, there is not. <laughs> there is on an M3, is there one on M4? I think there is, right? I think there's Isn't one there? on M4. I yeah, have to go look. Why'd I they get rid of look? it? Why'd they get rid of it? Know. Self-timers are useful.
0: They're good when you don't have a cable release with you, right? Maybe when the cameras got so expensive, they figured if you put that camera down for two seconds, someone's going to steal <laughs> it. Maybe that was it. You know, let's get rid of the self-timer because that's just going to yeah, encourage Yeah, that's people. a good
1: point. Let's not encourage yeah. people to leave the camera on a rock. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Neil Piper of Soot & Whitewash... Yes, Neil, says Gabe needs to get Dave Grohl as a pod guest. He also says he's in love with him. Gabe!
0: <laughs> he's awesome. He is real. I I'll, This is what I'll say. I will say he's one of those absolute down-to-earth creative people that you can talk about anything with. Like, he's wow. a really funny guy. And as I told the story before, he just can, you know, sit there and we can look at two people talking and... <laughs> when Fred couldn't stop talking to that guy, and neither yes, of them acknowledged the that Dave's across the way.
1: <laughs> um,
0: uh, great guy. He's, he's just all great. right. Well, and I assume
1: that him. you are gonna, you know, you're gonna do Neil's bidding and get Dave Grohl on our podcast. Go. That would be all fun. Right. He's working. All right, so Neil, he's working on it. Philip Crana, uh, who is sending us his new zine. Thank you very much, Philip. Wow. Responded to the "How We Are Weird" episode. He says. He often sits watching TV and cleaning lenses all night with a Q-tip and rubbing alcohol. Okay, now, <laughs> I kind of identify fantastic. with this. yeah, Because if I'm sitting, my little camera shelf, which is on Instagram somewhere, uh, I, think, I think it's one of the early posts on the iDream of Cameras feed, it's around the corner from my little TV watching room. I often will, if I'm going into that room to watch a show, I will absently grab a camera. To toy with and like exercise the lens. You know how sometimes oh, yeah, older yeah, lenses yeah. they bind a little I, bit. Yeah, and, mine's, or yeah. I'm going yeah, through we're that just, right now. Yeah. Oh what really? What yeah, are you with my
0: with? uh Sumalex oh. uh 1.4 uh someone mm. um Zaire, my old old Sumalex has yeah. locked up the focus and and oh no uh, Zaire has turned me on to someone who is going to
1: fix it. Okay. Very well exciting. I you know there's that thing you have to like you know, wind the shutter on your give camera. Give them every some once love. So you have to give them. Yeah, some Yeah, give love. it some love. Wind it, shoot it. Wind it, shoot it. I do that while watching a movie. That's I awesome. absolutely do it. Philip also says, "How about this for a how we are weird? I love this." He says, "I always have to own the correct lens or body cap for each piece of gear. So if it's a 1968 hexanon lens, I will spend thirty dollars just to get the exact era lens cap for the lens." Even if I have another Kanaka cap in my bag of extras, <laughs> this
0: is so Jeff Greenstein. I it mean, every so mean. moment of that, and in the fact that which I've said is just walking with my Black Paint M4 with the newer Voitlander uh, meter. Jeff goes, "Yeah, how do you feel about not having the original <laughs> meter?" I said, "Well, Mister Passive Aggressive, <laughs> I think it's just fine." And then, of course, I go on eBay and I'm trying to find a black one. Yeah.
1: Well, I had this experience recently. You know, I have my beloved Rolleiflex SL350, and it came with a little screw-in. What are those things? Cap for the shutter release? What do you call it? Soft release. It came with a little right. soft release. I lost it, the original. Oh, boy. Now, I had a cheap Korean four dollar soft release that was pretty much the right color it was slightly larger and i used that for a couple of days and then i went on ebay and spent 24 dollars for the correct soft release oh my so gosh. philip i oh, hear you yeah he understands ah. you yep douglas yep. ingram has become one of my favorite correspondents he uh he actually dm'd me today uh he Sent images that he shot with his Canon 35mm 2.8 Serenar. And as I said, I am loving mine. He recommended that I look into the Canon L1 rangefinder, which I was not aware of. Oh, boy, me neither. And get this. Remember how we mentioned David Douglas Duncan in a previous episode, right? right? The guy who was sort of responsible for elevating Nikon's reputation, right? He has some pictures he took when he met David Douglas Duncan. He said, I met him while attending an art program in Lacoste, France, during the fall of 1983. I was studying sculpture, painting, and printmaking. David was a friend of the school's director and came to do a presentation of his work and photos he took of Pablo Picasso. I have he that book. Triple I met D. I have that book. I that, have. That's did, so yeah, good. Isn't that amazing? It's so cool. He met Triple D. That is pretty incredible. And Douglas, thank you for sharing that. That's that is exciting. fantastic. Oh. Wonderful. Uh, Thor Pelion. Chimed in regarding L.A. repair shops. We're just going to pass this along. He said that he's had good luck with Walter's Camera Repair in downtown L.A. Do you know that place? I have no idea, but I will never heard of it. I'd love that. And General Camera in Pasadena. Ever heard of that place? Nope. Two good tips, L.A. people. Very party people. We will contact them and see what they can fix. Here is one of my favorite emails, and this could be a whole episode, but let's spend a few minutes on this. Anthony Rue, who is Kino Pravda on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Of course, I love that. I wrote a third of my thesis on Ziga Vertov. He said, I'd love to hear the two of you talk about films and cinematographers that influence your film photography. Wow. I was watching The Big Gun Down on Criterion, and it made me want to shoot my horizon. Panorama camera. Same with the bonkers Japanese comedy *Killers on Parade*. And I think about Vendor's *Wings of Desire* and Godard's Two or Three Things I Know About Her*. Every time I look through a camera, I'm sure you both have opinions about influences. Go to town, Gabe. Oh my gosh! I mean, uh, great topic. Wexler.
0: I, 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 you seriously? We can go on and on and on with. Okay, with you how start. That's shoot. so funny.
1: You, you've mentioned Haskell Wexler before. Tell me, like, what of his what? stuff? Just
0: the, I mean, I, I, here's how I look at it, to be honest with you. This is how I look at, um, when I see film, I, I look at the scope and I look at the close-ups because I am so about portraits. So mm. I look at how things are covered in portraits and lighting and simplicity and, you know, natural light and like all this stuff sort of, that's how I'm looking at it. So I sort of don't credit. I mean, I obviously I credit a lot of people, but I'm really looking for those pieces. Like, of course I love these giant, you know, amazing, you know, landscapes and all that stuff, but that's not what I do. So I enjoy that because I love film. But as far as like these, um, you know, anything that's, that has these interesting close-ups or, you know, or just, or, or something that's maybe a little bizarre or maybe like in Sunset Boulevard. I mean, some of those shots are crazy town and you're just going, it's perfect. I mean, that's sort of, you know, when, and even, even when it's a shot that's, you know, an extremely wide shot when, you know, Norma Desmond is there and they turn the spotlight to her you know, and she's at the studio again, and she feels like she, yeah, you know, that's a beautifully planned, you know, amazing sure. shot. But it is, you are looking up at this older icon, and you know, it's yeah. like, especially when they take the spotlight and turn it to her, and she sort of, her head turns up. And, you oh. know, that kind of stuff, though, you look at those shots and go, wow, look what you can do with a wide, like a huge wide shot and a character up on something. I mean, there's so many ways to shoot things and they're very sim- simple to do. And I think that that's one of those things that you just, you know, any of those classic lens, uh, classic movies where, you know, it was really the DP's game. The director would say what he want, but there were no monitors like we have today. Right. And uh, so they would, you know, compose, You just say what they'd want, and they'd get these amazing shots. Just,
1: you know. Those were, uh, God, those are great, great influences you just ran down, and surprising. I love that those are your references. But let
0: me give one more. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, go just, for it. Is, go for there's it. There's one more thing. In something like Rear Window, you know, if you think of the two of them, like the way that Hitchcock created Intimacy— you know, you're seeing those shots, and you're just going, "Oh, I would kill to have a portrait of this." Or I would, yeah. You know, it's that was very complicated, but it's still just, you know, since it was a studio, but beautifully done. Like I'm always looking at that those how they do those singles of um, right. actors and actresses. Anyway, go God, on. Sorry,
1: that's so cool. No, I love I love what your references are because they're so different than mine. Yep. I love that. <laughs> the filmmaker whose work changed my life. This is no joke. I was a, in the College of Engineering at Tufts University and I was taking an Italian cinema class just as a lark and I certainly loved the early films that we watched in that class. We watched Rossellini's Open City, we you know, neorealism, you know, yeah. almost shot like a documentary. Visconti's La Terra Trema, amazing, right? Fellini, oh my God. I had never seen anything that would have been shot like Knights of Cabiria or La Dolce Vita like blew my head open. I could not believe just the richness, the splendor, the surrealism, the sort of, it's a weird thing in Fellini, this sort of, I'm going to coin a phrase which is going to sound very pretentious, but like quotidian surrealism, like surreal things dropped into the recognizably real world. Yep, That's a thing that Fellini does that I just think is so specific to his sensibility. And we were talking in our previous episode, like how we shoot about, I was talking about how I'm drawn to contrasts. And I think some of what I get about looking for those juxtapositions comes from my love of Fellini's films. Looking for those discordant elements or those contrasts come from the way he creates that contrast between the real and the fantastical in his films. But the filmmaker that changed my life was Antonioni. And the Italian cinema professor, the film that she saved for the last film we saw in the class was Antonioni's film Eclipse, which is not a film that anybody really likes very much. It's part of his atomic age tetralogy, which starts Mm -hmm. with L'Aventura, then there's La Notte, then there's Le and then there is Red Desert, his first color film. These are all really interesting movies in their own right. The one that never gets talked about is Eclipse, because it is so weird. It is so weird. It ends with a scene, a sequence that's I think something like eleven minutes long, oh, in wow. which none of the lead actors appear.
0: <laughs> it's something very you could never peculiar. do today,
1: right? Something you could never do today. It is almost like an aesthetic experiment. It is so far afield of anything I had seen up to that point. It almost breaks into like a non-narrative oh, film in its final moments, and the way that Antonioni sets up a shot. The way that in the early scenes of the film there are two there's a couple in an apartment having the argument that's going to end their relationship. Antonioni places the camera 6 inches above and behind Monica Vitti's head. I have never seen a scene shot this way and follows her around the room. It's the weirdest sort of quasi point of view, but it's right. an uncomfortable point of view because it's not one that we traditionally use. Like, either you're an over-the-shoulder, so you're sort of seeing what she's seeing, or you're inside her eyes. But that part, it's just off-putting. Wow. The way he sets shots, I think about it all the time, particularly in urban settings, because the way in which he shot this district of Rome, the Aor district, which was built during fascism in Italy, the way he shoots this district is so strange. And I don't know if there's... I don't know what other American filmmakers to compare it to. There's a little of it in Wes Anderson. There's a little of it in the Cone brothers, but it's, it's this decidedly European modernist sensibility that it's entirely its own thing. No one talks about Antonioni anymore, except me. Like he's not a filmmaker that people really cite as an influence these days. And in a lot of ways, his relevance as a filmmaker seems to have faded For everybody but me. I, of course, have talked about Blow Up, which is not my favorite movie, but it is certainly the movie that I talk about the most. I'm looking at two posters for Blow Up in my office right now. (laughs) His use of color. His use of color, again, juxtapositions. The way in which he fills the... Oh, my God. So that. Sorry, I went way deep on it. No, 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 that's great. Gordon Willis. Annie Hall. All the President's Men. I mean... 70s American cinema was the other big influence on me. And films like that, like The Godfather, like Bad News Bears, these are films that just had a titanic impact on me. But what Willis does in All the President's Men with Light is just... Mind blowing. The way that some of the scenes in Annie Hall don't even look like romantic comedy scenes. There's no. a scene that's shot entirely in silhouette that's a funny, it's a funny argument scene. Yeah. Yes, Godard. Yes, vendors. Oh my god. Robbie Mueller. I could do 10 minutes on Robbie, Robbie Mueller. Paris, Texas, one of my favorite movies. Uh, Kings of the Road. But Antonioni, he's the towering influence on me. Yeah. And, so interesting. Yeah. Great
0: topic. And the and the warmth that can be created you know is amazing like the warmth yeah. of shots you know i think you know when you mentioned the godfather you know you're thinking of those things or cinema paradiso or thing. Oh, yeah. you're thinking of these close-ups that you just you show emotion by not looking at the camera and just a million ways of doing that and the godfather was just like you know crazy yeah. just when you saw him sitting alone and
1: it can go on and on Yeah. Well, Anthony, thank you for that. I mean, we may return to this topic. That is a fantastic pitch. Mm -hmm. Bill 2 asked, do we have any camera or photography superstitions? I think this is something for the Gabe department because I'm not sure I do. Well, yeah. Well, that's why I bring two meters. (laughs) I'm
0: sure that I don't know if it's a superstition. I'm just sure that something's going to go down. Like something is going to go down, so I have to have a spare. So the meter, even if I have the M6, I'm always going to back it up. I'm sure that my contact 645 AF is not going to give me a correct reading. So I will additionally do, you know, have my handheld external meter. And yeah. I don't know if they're superstitions, but they're uh, superstitions. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking now that I think about it, look at the dark room. When I send film to the dark room. I I not only, I label every single roll of film with my address, my number, my Instagram, everything. Just to make sure it's not the one that's going to be lost.
1: Is there a difference between a compulsion and a superstition? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mike Crawford writes, regarding our thing about who makes our films. He said, uh, "You've probably already been sent this, but this is a good source of information." And he linked to a Wikipedia page entitled yeah. "List of photographic films." This is worth looking at, guys. Yeah, it's really it's cool. It's very interesting to see how many of the films you love are FOMO 400. Yes, so many are FOMO 400. So very many. It makes you think FOMO 400 must be dirt cheap, easy to get, right? Yep. Which I guess it is. We should get uh, it. And so check that out. It. FOMO yep. 400. Yeah, so when we do our uh, I Dream of Cameras Dream Pan for our 400, you'll know that it's phone. Yes, we'll tell you now. Victor Tom suggested, I love this pitch, how about inviting Jason Schneider as a guest to your show? Do you know who Jason Schneider is? Okay, yeah, crazy. He had the column in Modern Photography and later Popular Photography on camera collecting. Yep. I have, I think, three or four volumes of Jason Schneider on camera collecting. They are rather hard to come by these days, guys, yeah. but... You are in the target audience if you are listening to this podcast. I mean, all the valuations have changed, but his monographs on uh, half-frame cameras or, you know, German SLRs or whatever, they're amazing. He's a very good writer, and I see him turn up on the rangefinder for him a lot, so he's still active and writing. So that is a great idea. I would be very intimidated to talk to Jason Steiner because be I think exciting. he's forgotten more than we will ever know, but yeah. good pitch. Two people wrote in, Matthew Bellamare or Bellemare, beautiful sea in Italian, Matthew Bellemare, and Alan Perez ask, do you have an RSS feed for the podcast? This is an interesting question. I mean, go to Sunny 16 Presents. That's the best way to find it. That's usually yeah. where we show up. But I will tell you, there is also a feed that's automatically generated by our Squarespace page at idreamofcameras.com, which is idreamofcameras.com slash episodes, Question mark, format equals RSS. So there is. And you can get all our episodes. Right. So that's another way to get it, okay? If you plug idreamofcameras.com into your RSS feed reader and ask it to search for the RSS feed, that is what it will find. That was a deep dive for nerds, but RSS is awesome, and if you don't know what it is, you should. Next, this is in your department, Gabe. Bear Brown (laughs) writes... About light meters, he's obviously a photography teacher. He says, in my classes, I use several from the Seconic 308 to the 858. For my personal light meters, I usually do incident with a Seconic 398. And for spot, I use an app on my phone. I have a (gasps) 758 but don't always carry it, and the 398 doesn't need batteries. I've begun to use light meter apps in my classes as well. I use a light meter app when I need one. The best tool is the one you have with you, and when I compared some of these apps to my meters, they were really dang close. Gabe, what's your favorite meter?
0: Um, I'm looking for it right now. My favorite one is the, hold on, hold on. Hold on, take a second.
1: All right, I'm gonna stall. Uh, hey there, you with the stars in your eyes. He's almost back.
0: Are <laughs> you singing? That's fantastic.
1: I, yeah, I did uh, well, that, That'll get My favorite
0: meter, <laughs> seriously, my favorite meter is one I got at, <laughs> this is going to be ridiculous. I got it at a garage sale. It's the yeah. Goss Lunastar F2. Ooh, it's got... Oh, look at that. See. Look how modern. I love that this. That is not what I thought you were going to hold is what, up. I, this is my favorite one.
1: Gosh, um, I'm start. When, and when was that from? The 90s? 2000s? Somewhere on there. It's really still new. The, yeah, 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 But LCD readout. But guess who I got it from? Uh, who did you get it from?
0: I got it from Ferris Bueller's mother. <laughs> what do you mean i mean what do you Fer- mean ferris bueller's mother i mean come on in the
1: movie <laughs> who who played yes. ferris bueller's mom in the movie come on i'll tell
0: you it's uh cindy pickett cindy pickett i love cindy pickett yeah. cindy pickett's <gasps> also a photographer wow and cindy pickett uh sold me that meter i didn't have a conversation with her i was just excited to get my meter from Cindy Pickett. Wow. And so uh, that was fun. And then I om- almost said to her, I-, I ran into her, actually, of course, looking for a bag, like a backpack Great. to put Great. cameras in. And I looked at it, and she came into the store, and her daughter was my salesperson. But oh, I still perfect. didn't say anything. <laughs> um, but I love this. I-, I really love this one. And then I believe I have the Siconic 358 because... Every single person,
1: everyone on YouTube has this one. Wow.
0: Do you know that one?
1: No. Uh, I told you I got a cheap $5 like Vivitar meter from when I was a kid. I've seen pictures of it. It's the beautiful iconic meter that I would like to have a picture of on a T-shirt. Oh, no, wait. That's a 358. Look at you holding up these meters with digital readouts. I've only ever seen these on sound stages used by DPs.
0: Yeah. Well, they're as expensive as they should be. I mean, it's crazy. How so, much is a meter like that? Oh my gosh. I'm gonna tell you right now. Siconic three fifty eight. Everyone wow. was using it and I love it. I mean I do love it, but I just I can't move away from my Gossen. Hold on. Mm. I'm gonna tell you right now. I thought
1: when you said Siconic you were gonna talk about one of those elliptical meters no, with I lots have of dials those, but on it. I don't yeah. who
0: uses them. So you can get one used that's a nine plus at B and H for two hundred forty dollars.
1: Oh, all right. Well. Hmm. Or you could get a light meter app for five dollars. Stop it. Light meter app schmap. Come on. Or you can be a professional. All right, yeah. Okay. (laughs) In a related note, Bear asks, Do you also use the zone system? I use and teach the zone system.
0: Yeah. First of all, this is Jeff Greenstein all the way. Um (laughs)
1: <laughs> wait till you hear my response to i this.
0: <laughs> let's hear your response to that i do not use the zone system but i've read Let all me about tell it you why i
1: don't use the zone <gasps> system i i understand the zone system i think i would like to think okay this could have gone in the strong opinions episode that oh, we did boy. last week fight us again you ready oh my god yes. you yes. guys get ready ansel adams is the most boring writer <gasps> of all time. I find his prose turgid, lacking in fluidity, witless, and unreadable. I have tried to read the print, the camera, the negative dozens of times. Dozens. And it is the greatest sleep aid ever devised. So I have. Gabe is ready to jump on me. So that's no, why I, I just got a text that said Zoom our system.
0: podcast is canceled. So I thought we should just probably stop talking. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know if, i didn't i didn't know if uh that had any effect uh oh, God. because we love ansel adams and uh, everything uh, he writes but okay go on since it's our last episode uh, that's it
1: i'm just i'm just embroidering <laughs> he's so boring and i would love for a writer like bear brown to write an, a, a textbook on the Zone system that would he's be awesome. funny yeah and he like wrote a, a nice like an email like version yeah 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 Somebody do like, you know how they update the King James Bible every once in a while so that kids will want to read it? (laughs) Give me a text, a book about the zone system written by Kai. I bought Kai's book, by the way. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's great. Kai from Digital Rev has a book coming out on analog photography. Somebody like that writes a book on the zone system. Then I will read it. Ansel Adams, my God, amazing photographer, but God did not give with both hands. He is not a writer, in my opinion. Okay. Did you see a sitcom?
0: Did you ever see a sitcom?
1: Oh my God, he's funny <laughs> as hell. It's Ansel. You know Ansel Elgort, named after Ansel Adams. His dad was a photographer. Oh my goodness. Arthur Elgort. Well named done. Him. Y'all talked about expired film, and I was using it at first just to run through a new acquisition or check out one of my collection that had been sitting on the shelf for a while. Now I find shooting expired film a nice adventure and surprise. He compensates the ISO by decade and processes at box speed. Gabe, do you do compensate by decade? I don't compensate at all, and here's why. Because I think it was
0: Hamish Gill. I think those guys did um, said just shoot it. Like there was an article yeah. on there that said just shoot, just it. shoot it, just shoot yeah. it. It's like okay, yeah, sure, compensate, but no, I don't compensate at all. I just shoot it, and I have some very, very old film. Yeah. I mean, very, I I have a role that was Phil Stern's.
1: <gasps> what? Yes, yeah,
0: I mean, really oh my old. My God, like all uh, unexposed roll of film, unexposed from the fifties or forties. Phil yeah. Stern gave you. Holy cow. Yeah that was great That's I mean it amazing. was one of the old um, this is when his place was being cleared out and uh, the person who was working on his collection said do you want this roll of film I was like oh my gosh
1: wow. sure are you ever going to shoot that roll or just keep it as an so. iconic I'll show it to you. yeah, yeah finishing out what bear wrote he said regarding instant film i use mainly instax film in several cameras including my bush pressman model c and crown graphic in my production classes i don't allow my students to turn on their digital camera until they have lit and we have shot a proof on instax how much do we love this guy wow that's fantastic I am trying to teach them to trust their tools and learn the process instead of immediate gratification or lighting by staring into the monitor all the time. Wow. I really would love to take a class with this guy. Yeah. Great, right? Our friend Ethan Moses. Ethan is a titan in the film community. Camera dactyl. If you're not following on Instagram, you should. He built a large format camera. Did you see that? Mm Mm-hmm. Have you seen that large format thing that he built with the giant 16 by 20? Amazing. Oh, my God. Insane. Here, I'm just going to read the bulk of his email out. He had some great reactions to what we talked about in our last episode. He said, Loved Believing is Seeing by Earl Morris. There is no higher endorsement than that. The photo of the cannonballs was not from the Battle of the Bulge, but the Crimean War, the first war covered photographically. Thank you for that correction. Along the vein of plainly written, wonderfully funny, and very enjoyable books about the history of photography, I would highly recommend The Ongoing Moment by Jeff Dyer. That's Jeff with a G. He is right. You ever read yep. that book? Yep. Great book. I kind of dig LCD readouts inside the viewfinder, though I hate when they leak. LEDs are okay, but Match Needle is clearly the coolest solution. I'm surprised that didn't come up in the discussion. Yeah. You know what's funny? We didn't mention this last week, but we had an abortive run at the Fight Us Again episode, which had some sound problems, so we re-recorded it. We did talk about Needle and Lollipop in the first run, and how That's Needle right. and Lollipop That's is perfect. Right. Needle and lollipop is perfect. There is nothing wrong with needle and lollipop. He is right. LEDs are perfectly fine. But the needle and lollipop system is great. I have that in the roley SL350. It is immaculate. It never needed to be changed. I think the Pentax K1000 is needle and lollipop. Nothing wrong with that. This was the lengthy answer that Ethan, who initially inspired me to ask the question about the Scanningberg uncertainty principle. Here is what he said. Regarding is the color and contrast of an edited photo real? I don't want to get too first year college philosophy here, but I must. I, I oh, I love, love this. I love it. Nothing is real. Everything is a transformation of reality into sense, into perception, and maybe a few things in between, depending on how you describe it. But also on a more concrete level, film and digital sensors alike are physically transforming something about reality into some information. This is a destructive transformation, i.e., you cannot recreate reality 100% from it, and so things like color and contrast in a photo are, and always have been, a product of the multiple transformations between light, film, light again and paper all dependent on emulsion and chemistry transformations. This is an engineer talking. I mean, light really color an intensity and duration, chemistry, temperature and age and a whole bunch of other choices made by the person or people who come between the shutter release and a printer scan. I bet it sound like a broken record of the greatest hits of Reddit here, but in that no choice is a choice in itself, there is no possible non-manipulated state or natural state of a photo. There are only good photos and boring photos, pleasing colors and ugly ones. And I think we can agree there is no objective concrete measurement of that. How wow. great, how badass, how beautifully expressed. I would read an Ethan Moses book, too. He, oh, absolutely. That is oh my right gosh. on the money. Can you imagine? Everything that happens between the click of the shutter is a manipulation and a transformation. Right. I think that's beautifully expressed. He's right. I think it's something worth thinking about when we talk about the characteristics of a paper or a lens right. or a light source or it's all shifting. It's yeah. all competing. It's a. It's beautiful.
0: Interesting.
1: Finally. Boy, we're not going to be able to get deep into all this, but I want to read the contents of this email and maybe set this as a... Maybe a possible further discussion. James McNellis, a new correspondent, sent us an amazing email where he reeled off six topics, all of which are great. One, digital cameras that look and handle like film cameras. What are your opinions on this design strategy? For example, the new Nikon ZFC, the Fuji X series. He's also talking about my Olympus Pen F. And right. similar products from digital camera manufacturers, especially now that film is regaining popularity. Interesting, right? Hmm. You want to react? We got a minute or two. What do you think of it? Um, what do you think of cameras that are supposed to look like film cameras, but they're digital?
0: Okay, so I, uh, yeah, I've thought about this, and you know, I, I do like the Leica version of this. Okay. Yeah. But there are some. There's a lot that sort of look like Leica, and they're digital cameras. There's a few, there's a number of those cameras that sort of look like an old camera. That my issue is, but if I think back and I start criticizing that, it's like, well, look what they did in the old days with the Leica 3 and the Leica 3F and the Canon, and they all look sort of very similar. Yeah. So I don't know if, how I can criticize it, but you know, I think they kind of look cool when they look like old cameras. I'm just going to say that.
1: I like that the Pen F. Looks cool. I like that is it mimics really a the cool look. Camera. Yep. Yeah. The fact that it mimics the look of the old Pen F was the reason I bought it. Honestly, right. I think it's cool. It ap- appeals to an old guy like me. It and the thing is this, you know, the evolutions in the shape and design and ergonomics of cameras. Those advancements were designed to make cameras easier to use, and yet they were also built around a camera that had a film plane, for example, right, right. and needed to be loadable. And it's funny that digital cameras have kind of retained that same shape, primarily because we're used to it. You remember those the brief vogue of cameras that were shaped more like video cameras? Yep, You know, you'd like hold them in your hand. Yeah, because in a lot of ways, that's a better way to hold a camera. Right. But we reverted to the traditional style, to the flat block, you know, mainly because iconically, that's what we think of as a camera. Maybe audiences, consumers, rejected those cameras that weren't camera shaped. Right. So, you know, is a is a hipster kid more likely to buy the Nikon ZFC because it looks like a Nikon FM? Probably not. Or maybe. Maybe the Vogue film cameras is going to drag these things along in the dragnet. Right. I, I don't know. Right. It's an interesting question. Again, okay, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I'm just going to run down some of these topics, and we can consider these topics for future discussion. James, you should be our producer. Golden Hasselblad's? So good. Commemorative editions in Come general. On. He's talking about commemorative editions. We're absolutely going to talk about that. 100%. Do you see your camera collecting as a financial investment? Does resale value factor into your decision? These are all interesting questions. Yep. Minox. Oh, James. He wants to hear <laughs> us talk about minox. <laughs> oh, I will Jeff absolutely talk be a whole doing an episode
0: that. on this. Yes. Yes.
1: We have talked about minox in the past, James. So go back. You can hear me rhapsodize about the Riga Minox and the Minox C. Leica, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, we have talked about doing an all Leica episode, and I think that probably is inbound. He also chimes in about large format and asks, perhaps we should consider interviewing someone who collects and shoots with large format cameras. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. New versus vintage. Also, he asked, as part of camera collecting, do you ever come across collections of negatives from other photographers? This is the Vivian Meyer paradigm. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you sort and store your own negatives? Are there stories or memories you associate with specific roles that you'd be willing to share? Great ideas. These are James, fantastic. End-to-end, great ideas for future discussion. And so, as we close out a fast-moving episode. Wow, crazy. Thank you for these emails, everybody. We're going to cover some of these topics in future episodes, but we want to blow the doors open. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors <laughs> off. Uh... Uh, that was the worst Michael Caine you'll ever hear. <laughs> we are going to blow the doors open and say, guys, keep it coming. Guys and gals, Definitely. by the way, these are all emails from men. Women of the podcast world, <laughs> chime in. We know we have female listenership because we see it on idreamofcameras.com. It's yes, we actually do. 50-50. Yep. So let's hear from the women. What would you like to hear on the podcast? Do you want to hear more female voices on the podcast? It's something Gabe and I make an effort to do. So... Let's hear from y'all as well. Write to us as much as you can. Don't think
0: you're writing too much. You can write as many emails or DMs or whatever. We'd love to hear yes. from you. And it's always informative and we're very excited about our listeners.
1: Yes. So again, our email address, primary mode of discourse through idreamofcameras at gmail.com. You can feel free to DM us as well on the iDream of Cameras Instagram feed. And of course, Gabe Sachs is Gabe Sachs on Instagram. I am S Jeff Greenstein on Instagram. Hit us up, as the kids say.
0: Please get in touch with us. We are very excited to hear suggestions. And please send recommendations. I mean, I can't tell you. If you guys know a repair person that's fantastic
1: and you love them for some obscure camera, let us know. Yeah, I remember Car Talk used to keep, maybe we'll do this on our webpage, they used to keep a list of Car Talk approved repair places. Oh, that's great. And so I think maybe we'd start, like to start to do a clearinghouse of that so that you can refer to your local repair place, yep. you know, see if they're good, yep. testimonials. So tell us your favorites in your town. Yep, exactly. What a whirlwind this has been. I worked with a writer who thought that it was the word, that it was whirlwind. He also thought <laughs> that there was a word, misled, that meant the same thing as misled oh misled yes yeah he Hmm. he thought that was a word this is an Emmy winning comedy writer (laughs) it happened misled anyway this has been a whirlwind thank you oh thanks everyone and thanks
0: special thank you to Keith Greenstein and Fred Corey our team those are our people that's right you know amazing graphics and amazing music and uh, it makes us better we're very appreciative
1: and now great photographers both. Keith yeah. is totally into his OM-1. Fred's yeah. into his Rolleiflex. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> all right. Exciting. We will see you soon, gang. Gabe, any final thoughts as we close out an episode that I would like to call Reciprocity Success? Yes.
0: My final thought is thank you all of you who have come to me and said, will I sell one of those cameras? Because I may start doing that. Uh, A lot of you from that episode When you were trying to thin out my 19, they said, Look, I'm interested. So uh, I may be giving some away and selling some. It's very exciting. All right. Enjoy the week or two.